First Peter uh, is where we're going to be today. First Peter chapter one, starting in verse one and going to verse 12. Let me just read the first two verses for you here this morning. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those chosen living as exiles, dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, to the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and to worship you. Father, I, I thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. I thank you for your love and kindness and generosity, for your presence here today. You tell us that where two or three are gathered, there you are also. So we believe that you are an unseen guest here today, Lord, that you are in our midst. So, Father, if you would, just continue to speak to us and move and allow for us to hear a word, a message from you. And as we hear that word, as we hear that message, I pray, Lord, that our lives would be open to what you have to say to us, that we, that we would respond with obedience, that we would be the men and the women that you've called us to be. Lord, I recognize that I have a part in this, and so, Lord, if you would, Forgive me my sin, cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life, and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name, in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and their relationship with you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and Lord, I, I pray that today would be that day, a day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. For the, for the believer that is here, that may be going through a hardship, going through a time of difficulty, maybe they're just having a, a rough day or rough week, maybe they're in a, a, just a, a season of despair, or maybe they just need to be encouraged to have their cup filled up, maybe they're just deciphering a call in the ministry or a, maybe a, to step out in leadership and to serve in a way that they're not comfortable in serving. Father, I, I pray that during this time of, that you would just give them the grace that they need to, to hear you plainly and clearly and to take that next step of faith. And Lord, if, if they were to do that, if someone today would profess Christ or to make a decision to follow you in a new way, we would give you all the honor and all the glory. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we pray all these things in your name, and all of God's people said, amen. These first few verses serve as an introduction uh, so let me just take a minute to kind of introduce to you this book. Uh, First Peter was written, of course, by the Apostle Peter. There's some who, who, who might question this, but most, you know, evangelical, conservative, academic theologians and Bible scholars would all agree that, that Peter is the, the author here. Um, even, Peter, even Peter says in 
in this chapter. Hey, it's me. I'm writing this. So, I mean, you know, if we can't trust the Bible in that matter, then I think it's kind of hard to trust other things as well. So if the Bible says it's First Peter that's writing it, well, that gives a pretty good indication of who's actually writing it. He's writing this letter to uh, the churches that have been dispersed abroad because of the persecution in the church. They're mostly in Rome here, and uh, these men and women have been facing very harsh physical, mental, spiritual persecution because of their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because they have professed Jesus, they have been facing persecution. He writes this letter to encourage them to continue to be faithful, to stand fast in the midst of that persecution. Do not waver, do not hesitate, but to be faithful and true to the commitment that they've made, to the decision they've made. He does this three different ways, really. He, he's encouraged them to do, let's just say, three different things. To stand firm in their faith, to stop getting persecuted for reasons they shouldn't be persecuted. Like, to be wise. Hey, if you're going to be persecuted, don't be a dummy about it. You know, hey, do, be wise about this. If you're being persecuted for your faith, that's one thing. But if you're doing it just because you're a knucklehead, hey, knock it off. Third, to remember what they have in Jesus. To remember what they have in Jesus. We'll get to these throughout this book, but just a, an, kind of a, a broad stroke this morning, 10,000 feet view of this book. He's writing to the churches that have been persecuted. Paul, Peter's writing this. I'm going to, listen, I'm just going to let you know right now. I'm going to confuse Peter and Paul's name throughout this series. And 90% of the time when I say Paul, I really mean Peter, okay? There are going to be some times when I say Paul, and it actually is Paul. But if it doesn't make any sense to you, just think, uh, my pastor's not very smart. So uh, listen, the church was facing very heavy persecution here. Um, some of these, I mean, were at the hands of Nero, the, the emperor of Rome at this time. I mean, Nero was a, the emperor, a political leader, right? And uh, pretty crazy. I mean, he started a, a fire in Rome that burnt most of the city. I mean, he was behind it. If he didn't start it, he was behind it and blamed the Christians for it. Uh, many, believe, many people believe that he was the man that was behind the murder of, of Peter and Paul. Uh, and so uh, the things that he would do to Christians, you know, we wouldn't allow for like a, a film company to, to put it in a horror movie. Uh, just awful things. Skinning men and women alive and burning their flesh and th throwing them in pits of oil, burning oil. Horrible, horrible things. And so this is the reality that these men and women were facing. The, the persecution that they were going through, they were seeing their loved ones, brothers and sisters in the Lord, even people within their own families, from their own towns, from their own church. This is why Peter wrote this letter. And I don't think that Peter wrote this letter to, to one church or one to community, but rather he wrote this letter Descend and dis disperse to multiple churches, multiple. I mean, he got into the workroom, made a Xerox, and then emailed it 
to everybody, you know, that's just kidding. They didn't have an email back then. It was the Pony Express, but uh, verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into, the, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. One of the things we see here in this verse, or in these verses, is that God is a giver. He gives new life in, in Jesus to those who put their faith in him. Friends, we have new life, uh, and this is only possible because Jesus rose from the grave. And without the resurrection, friends, this is not possible. We talked about this in 1 Corinthians. I mean, that should, if nothing else, help you understand how important this theological truth is that the resurrection matters without it. Our theological understanding of who, who Jesus Christ is doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But the fact that Paul and Peter both are preaching about the importance of it and how much it matters should tell you something. That Paul, Peter, there may not be two men that are more influential in the New Testament church than those two guys. And both of them, very strong theological statements here. God has given us new life because Jesus rose from the grave. We also have an internal inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's an amazing reality to me. I'm not sure about you. Some there are times when I just can't fully wrap my mind around what this means. You know, I'm, I'm a poor kid from rural Indiana. You know, an inheritance is something we don't know anything about where I come from. And here Peter says to us that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and that God is protecting that inheritance for you in heaven. I'm not sure about you, but I can't get there, friends. I mean, even if I wanted to take it away from you, there's nothing I could do. There's no way to get that inheritance from the hands of God. God is protecting that for you. That inheritance, there's, there's no way it can be taken from you. No way for it to be defiled, no way for it to be perishable, no way for it to fade and to diminish its value. It's kept for you, Peter says. God is protecting them. And it says in verse 5 that he is protecting you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Our God is a protector. God is protecting our physical life, and most importantly, what Peter is saying here, he is protecting your eternal life. He's protecting your soul. So this means that we're probably going to suffer. And that's what Peter's trying to tell this church here. Hey, God protects you. He's watching out for you. But the reality is, is that there's going to be times in your life when you're going to go through hardships. When you're going to suffer because of your faith. Now your soul is intact. Nothing's going to happen to that. But there's going to be a time. Our eternal life is protected. Notice that this is done by the grace of God, but it's also done by what? Our faith. You're being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. We have a responsibility, friends, to continue 
regardless of the persecution that we face, regardless of the hardships that we have, regardless of what is knocking on our door, it's our responsibility to be faithful. God has been faithful to you, and he expects you to be faithful to him. I mean, this is a biblical truth, not just seen in the New Testament. It's seen all throughout the Old Testament as well. It's the basis of Israel's faith. Be faithful to God. He is faithful to you. We have a responsibility, even in times of hardships, even in times of difficulty, even in times of uncertainty, to remain true. As these Christians were facing persecution, death was a reality, a possibility for all. They, they saw it with their own eyes. And Peter is saying to them, this may take your life. This may take all that you have on this earth, but salvation is being guarded by God himself. There's nothing they can do to take that from you, friends. There's nothing. Don't believe what I'm telling you. Look at the next few verses, 6, 7. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, in which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does Peter say? Christians aren't free from hardships and persecutions. He doesn't give them a reason to think that God is going to keep them from it. Matter of fact, he says this the opposite. That through these various trials, that your faith, that the character of your faith will result in praise, glory, and honor. Some of you might think, I'm not sure if I signed up for that, Pastor. Sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? A little crazy for us to be talking about this on a Sunday morning. It's holiday week. I mean, don't we have something lighter to talk about this morning? What did Jesus say in Matthew 5? It says, you are blessed when people insult you, when people persecute you, when they lie about you. You are blessed when people do evil towards you. He says to his followers to rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. In heaven, not on this earth. Rejoice. You're blessed when you're persecuted. When you're going through trials, when you're going through hardships, when people lie about you, when they persecute, when they insult you, when they, when they do evil towards you. Great is your reward. <laughs> when I was a kid, there was, a, there was an old hymn that we would sing called, This is the Day. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will, re I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm not going to sing it. You're welcome. But... Let me just say this, that, that, that song has served as a reminder. I, I mean, I sing it to myself on a regular basis, even to this day. And, and when I'm going through hardships and going through different, I mean, for all of my life, I've been singing this song. And it's a hymn that the church has sung for years. 
and times of discouragement, those words have been encouraging. I can't imagine that this is not the case for the church as they hear Peter's words, that they are encouraged by these words of his, that they've clung to them, and they have I mean, can you be imagine a world where you're constantly in fear? How exasperating that must be to have that day in and day out, that constantly looking over your shoulder and wondering if the person next to you is going to. I mean, friends, when when a when a when a Gentile put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It wasn't just like we were doing it here today. Think about more like a Muslim in, in Iran converting to Christianity. I mean, it's, it's a cultural thing. They're saying no to everything that they have been raised in. The life, the community, the family, they're putting all of that aside for Jesus Christ. So not only are they facing persecution on a, on a national level by their political leader, they're facing persecution from their friends, from their family, from their classmates, from their coworkers. They're saying no to the pagan rituals at the, at the idols. I mean, they just, they're saying no to a lifestyle that They've been raised in their entire life. And that as a result, they are being called haters of mankind. Everywhere they go, they can't escape it. It's constantly there. Verse 8 reads, Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice in the inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The believers that Paul is writing to are relatively newer converts, not eyewitnesses to Jesus' ministry. These are, are Gentiles putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul, Peter is saying to them, I know this may not look great, <laughs> I mean, you signed up for something that right now it's just kind of like, Oof, what, have I, what have I done? If anybody knows what they've signed up for, though, it's Peter, is it not? Peter was an eyewitness. He's seen the glory of our Savior. He saw him die on a cross and then three, three days later be resurrected from the grave. He, I mean, if anybody knows what it's like to be in a position of doubt, though, it's Peter, is it not? I mean, Peter left absolutely everything to follow Jesus. He did for three years. He was his best buddy, closest disciple, faithful follower. I mean... And when Jesus needed him the most, what did Peter do? Turned his back on him, right? 
Jesus was hanging on the cross, Peter was hiding, running away. And when Jesus sat in a tomb for three days and was, was dead, Peter was in an upper room beating himself up, questioning everything, doubting his faith, wondering what he has done. And then on that third day, he would see his Savior rise from the grave. I mean, if there's anybody that, knew, that knows the importance of remaining faithful in times of hardships and the pain of not, of backsliding, of turning away from your faith, it's Peter. Peter knows, hey, listen, this is just temporary. It's just a moment in time. What God has for you is so, like Jesus is worth it. I mean, he saw the holes in his hand. He, he was spent 40 days with a, a resurrected Jesus. He saw him ascend into heaven. He saw Jesus give him his Holy Spirit. And he, I mean, if anybody knows, hey, just be faithful in this. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know, I know, I know. If anybody knows, it's Peter. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you concerning, come to you, searched and carefully investigated. Verse 11. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating. When he testified in advance to the suffering of Christ and the glories that would follow, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, and these things now have been seen and announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long ago, I'm sorry, angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. During this time, friends, uh, things that were new and innovative were not valued. They, they, they actually valued tradition and history. I mean, today we... I mean, if it's old and traditional, we don't really like it, do we not? I mean, it's like we need the new, the latest, and the greatest. Uh, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> I, it's kind of fun. I mean, I, maybe it's not funny, I don't know. But it's comical to me, at least. Like, I, I hear off, like the trend in churches today uh, is that, you know, pastors don't allow for, uh, worship leaders to sing older hymns in church or even like older traditional songs like not traditional or you know uh, older contemporary songs you know if it's if it's from a certain genre from a certain I mean if it's not new we don't want it in the church you know I the pastor's preaching from a book that's 2,000 years old but they don't allow their worship leader to sing a song from 1995. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's comical, right? Uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. <laughs> the point that Peter is making 
is that, that salvation, that the salvation that you, that you have, that the salvation that's available to you, it's, it's the same salvation that the prophets of old longed for. I mean, they longed for the Messiah to come and to bring salvation to all. And like, this is available. Like, this is old. It's traditional. It's value. It's historic. And you get to be a part of it. The prophets, long, the angels in heaven, they wish that they could be a part of this. I mean, like, you are a child of God. You have, you're an co-heir with Christ to the kingdom of God. You have a higher position in heaven than the angels do. Just think about that for a second. I mean, like, that's what Paul, Peter is saying in this passage. Like they, like, they long for this, and here you are. Even though you're going through hardships and trials and difficulties, just think of what you have in Christ. You ever go through a, a tough time in your life, uh, time of trial, maybe, maybe not just like a, a rough day or a hard day, but just a, a season in your life where you're just, just holding on? I, I'm not sure about you, but there are times when I go through those type of seasons, and some of you I know have gone through really rough seasons in your life, and but I find it comical when people uh, try to give you advice and you're like, you know, whatever they, they're saying, it's like something that you would read off a of Facebook or a postcard or a Hallmark card. You know, it's like, I, this ain't doing me any, like, you just want to tell them to shut up. You know what I mean? Like, hey, just, I just want to go home and be alone or, you know, they have good intentions, but nothing, you know, is really... Some of you are, I mean, I'm just, like, I, I, I hear some of your stories, and I'm just amazed at the, the pains that you're going through in your life, and uh, seasons that you've been through, and your stories just, they humble me, and uh, I think what Peter has to say to people like you is that there's hope. Uh, can I ask you a personal question? How, how does the Lord speak to you? How does, I mean, a lot, most of the times for me, uh, it's through time in the Word and prayer. Sometimes I'm driving in my truck and I'm silent by myself and uh, the Lord speaks to me a lot there as well. Um, but I, I got a three-minute commute to work, so I don't get a whole lot of that time anymore. So, but used to that was a time where God just really—I uh, valued those those moments. But how does He do it to you? I—I'm uh, not a very mystical person, you know. I, I'm just not. But there have been times in my life where the Lord has spoken to me in ways that I just—I. Uh, Two times in particular, I can remember very vividly the Lord just speaking to me in ways he's never has since or 
before. Uh, I was about 21 years old. Uh, I had a dream, and uh, I, I don't remember what my dream was last night. Every night I go to bed, I, I sleep hard, and, you know, I, I dream, but I don't remember them. But the, I remember this dream very vividly. And uh, I, I graduated in a high school in West Lafayette, and right next to West Lafayette is a town called Lafayette. They're just sister cities, pretty universities there. And, um, uh, and to get from Lafayette to West Lafayette, the easiest way is to go down Highway 52. And West Lafayette's on a big hill, and Lafayette is down in the valley. There's a river, the Wabash River, divides these two towns. And there's a big road, there's, there's a big road 52 is a four-lane highway, it's a, it's a big old bridge that goes up this hill across the river. And, uh, and in my dream, I'm on the bottom of this hill. And God is on top of this hill. And in his hand, he's holding his will for my life. My future, my pl God's plans for my life, my faith, he's holding it in his hands. And all I can think of in this dream is that God is dropping this and I'm going to miss it and I what he's wanting from me is for me to run as hard as I can to him and he's tired of me being on the other side of the river he's tired of me wasting my life and he's tired of me not running towards him and he's sitting there, standing there, saying, are you going to come and take this or not? I, I think sometimes in our, for so many of us, we sit there on the other side of the river and we're just playing games. We come to church, we, it was for me, did all the right things. And any time any type of hardships or difficulty came into my life, I ran away. And God finally got to a place in my life and said, hey, listen, sink or swim, bud. What are you going to do? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to be true to your word and be a man of character? Or are you going to just continue to do what you've been doing all along? And friends, let me just tell you, our church is at a, a great place. I, I love where we're at. I, I love, we, we have visitors every Sunday. We, we're growing. Our, we got, next week, we have two new Sunday schools starting. We've got uh, Children's Church starting back up. I mean, I just, I'm so impressed with Promotion Sunday, the deacons that are being ordained. But let me just tell you, like, we, we need some people to step up. We need some of you to stop playing games and be the men and women that God has called you to be. I know life is hard. I know that there are difficulties. But God is faithful, friends. He is. And, and you, you're not guaranteed a free pass on this earth. Just because you put your faith and trust in Jesus doesn't mean that everything is going to be just easy. It's not. But 
God is faithful. And if you are faithful to him, you will receive a reward for all of eternity that nobody can take away from you. It will not perish. It will not fade. It will not... It will last for all of eternity. It will be worth it, friends. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I, I want you to know that it is, it's worth it. It's not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. It's work. But it's so rewarding. It's so good. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place. And Father, I love you. And I, I thank you for uh, getting a hold of my life and allowing for me to be the man that you've called me to be, to do the things you've called me to do. And I, I know, Lord, that I'm not perfect at it. There's, there are many days where I make many mistakes. And so, Father, um, I thank you for the grace that, I, that you give me to be able to stand on a, on a stage and in front of a church and in front of a people that, that are oftentimes much better than I am. But Father, I pray that right here, right now, that you would speak to us, that you would allow for this to be a time where you are honest with us about who we are and speak to us in such a way that moves us to move. Father, I pray that during this time of invitation that we just hear from you and respond. That we stop playing games and we stop acting and pretending, but rather we get to work. Lord Jesus, we love you. And I pray that if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be that day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. Lord, we love you, and pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said,